0: Now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright, and so on. It's a rigorous training, dished on who know all there is to know about horses, and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training.
1: Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the number one podcast to create sound of horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's show, talking terminology, the word of the week is flair. Also, proper balance movement chapter two. Also, a case study of Sammy, a coffin bone infection, and use of the spider plate shoe. All this and much, much more will be discussed here on Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. And over to my far right side is Mike Stein. How are you?
0: I'm doing good, Travis. How are you doing today?
1: Doing good. Uh, is that coffee kicking in yet? It- it's Your eyes are open now. Yes. <laughs> I've got some news for you. Yes. I don't know if you know this or not. My wife is in New York. She's been in New York for the past five days. Okay. Uh, she was celebrating her, her grandmother passed away during COVID. So now, because being in New York, New York was really like locked down as right. far as people coming in and out. Now they're doing the celebration of life for her grandmother passed away. I think she passed away at like 96 years old. And... Father's Day was this past weekend, so she went up to see her uncle Kenny and you know her dad's brother and all that stuff. And you know her dad passed away and all that stuff. And it was just one big family gathering. Now, right. because of what we have going on here on the property, I had to stay. I wish I could have gone. I wish I could have been up there, but I've got my dad here. Uh, we've got a thirteen-year-old bulldog that can't get up and downstairs. So I don't. If my dad can't get up down the stairs, I don't think my dog can get up down the stairs with my dad. Right. And I've got. We've got chickens. We have horses and all the stuff here on the property. One thing that I'm battling right now, since Amy's been away, I've been a, become a full-time hunter. Okay. And when I say full-time hunter, uh, there is a fox. I don't know. I've never seen the fox. My dad, My dad said he saw a fox on the property, and it got a couple chickens. So all weekend long, I've been doing this. You see what that is? I'll show it to the camera here in just one uh, second.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a live trap.
1: But I've got a camera on the live trap on the property. Right. So and don't forget for every podcast we do, we have a matching video. You can see me here in the studio holding my camera up, which is a live camera feed of the bear trap or whatever I've got there in the in the property. And I throw a whole bunch of stuff in there. So all night long I'll get like these little notifications in the middle of the night on my phone. There's movement by the camera. Oh, I think I got it. And I look, there's a frog out there. <laughs> and then you could get a frog. Yeah, and then I get another, you know, another notification. Oh, did I get the fox? And I look out there because of the night vision camera. If a moth goes by the camera lens, it looks like a white streak and it signifies as a movement in front of the camera. So, all night long for the last five nights, it's like every hour or two i'll wake up yo oh notification i got it a notification i got it nothing nothing didn't catch anything and i'm using raw meat which you're supposed to do with a fox so yeah so have you ever had any like nuisance animals on your property that you've had to take care of or
0: there's plenty of animals that thought i was the
1: nuisance you know but... <laughs> well, you've got two pretty good sized dogs on your property those will chase away anything
0: if they're not scared of
1: it so in the, in the process of me being here of course you know i take care of the horses and do all the horse stuff and feed the horses and throw the hay and it's amazing how these horses. As soon as you come walking down the drive path to the barn, they, they're they walking right there with you. They know exactly what time feeding time yes, is. food time.
0: Now, well, you kind of know what time, when it's feeding time, correct? Yes, I do. Well, there you go. I do, too.
1: <laughs> now, speaking of feed time, in my off time, we have a garden here on the property. I have a whole bunch of vegetables and stuff. Mike, do you like pickles? Yes. Here. This is a batch of my own pickles. Your own pickles. Oh, hold on. I got napkins here for you. Okay. Now, be careful because that thing is full. Now, these are... My version of a garlic dill. Can you okay. open it? And those are yours. If you like them, take them home with you. Just bring the jar back. If you don't like them, dump them out and I'll yeah, wash anyway. them. At least act like it. Yeah, at least act like it. Get your little grubby mitts in there, Mike. I'm trying to. They're slimy little buggers. <laughs> You're making a mess. I'll taste my fingers. <laughs> no, you got dill and stuff all over your fingers. Here, let me get it out for you, Mike. Almost got one. Yeah, that's one of them. The these, these No, That's not a jalapeno. Is it? No, that's a. Oh, that is a jalapeno. Don't eat that guy. (laughs) there's a napkin for it. Okay. Do you like the hot pickles? And there's a pickle. All right, there's a pickle. Now hold it up the camera nice and. (laughs) I almost wish the the camera here. Let's switch to this camera here. There you go. There's Mike (laughs) making a mess.
0: There's a Travis pickle with jalapenos. (laughs) Good gosh, you made a mess over here. That's what I
1: said. You stuck your hand down there like you were noodling.
0: Well, I was noodling. (laughs) They were all down in there except for the jalapenos.
1: All right, try that. Tell me how you think. He's taking two bites now. No, my dad always tells the story of Andy Griffith and where Aunt B made pickles, and everyone said they tasted like kerosene. And they were like, "No, Aunt B, these are great pickles." And kind of like, mm.
0: "Travis, what? Travis, these are great pickles.
1: <laughs> are they any good or no?
0: Oh, they're wonderful.
1: No, <laughs> let me see. I gotta see. Hold on. I know this is a it's a horse show, and we're talking about pickles
0: here. So let me see you. Here I go." Got a little bite to them. That's okay. My grandmother used to make these cookies when we were kids. She was extremely proud of, and they were extremely hard. We used to get a bunch of them. We'd throw them for the dogs to chase. <laughs> oh, how are those cookies? They're wonderful. I broke a tooth. <laughs> hey, those pickles aren't bad. Well, no, Mike no, they're, they're actually pretty good. Okay,
1: so if you want that, you can take it home with you and, and I can put the jalapenos back in there if you're in yeah, the... the jalapenos would be good in there. Okay, I'll put those back in. So there you go, Mike. Those are the pickles. That's what I've been doing you since my wife's been away.
0: Gave me a thing of pickled jalapenos. No.
1: I forgot I put those in there. That was my special blend. I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm gonna make these for Mike Stein and I in the middle of the night trying to cut things and watch my chicken camera and all that. I, I guess okay. there you go. Alright guys, big show to get into, lots to talk about while Mike chugs down this bottle of water because those those pickles are probably hot.
0: And the pickle juice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Stick around. You'll listen to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be yeah, right back. I'm
0: not going to ever give me anything like that again. Now I <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
1: Back to Equine Dynamics with my sign. Like I said, don't forget for every podcast we do. We have a matching video over on YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe to Mike Stein over on YouTube. And don't forget Mike has shut down his personal Facebook page and is now concentrating on the actual podcast uh, Facebook page which is Equine Dynamics Mike Stein. He's got it to where he maxed out his personal account up to 5,000 people and so many people were asking to be part of the Facebook page so Mike just started another Facebook page in the business sense which allows him to have more and more people to enjoy the show. And over to my far hand side enjoying his very on show over there is Mike Stein. That's right, and Pickles. Now, if, for whatever reason during the show, if you hear me go, "Ooh, I gotta go," it's because I'm sitting here on Chicken Watch down here. Ah. I've got the camera right here on the. So you're multitasking. I am multitasking. I got the camera right here, and I'm watching to see if uh, that fox, which I haven't seen yet. There's only one person on the property that's seen the fox, and that's my dad. So, right,
0: nobody else has seen it. Who knows what's out there? I, I, he, it <laughs> wouldn't surprise me if you had one visiting
1: today. I'm talking terminology. This week's word is Flair. Now, the definition of flare is the outward distortion of the hoof, which may occur on any portion of the hoof wall. So, Mike, tell us what you know and what you found out about our Word of the Week
0: flare. Oh, that's a different flair than what I was thinking.
1: What kind of flair are you talking
0: about? That's how you know, when you have your special on style, that was flair.
1: <laughs> like when you go to Chili's restaurant and you have all those stupid buttons all over your... Yeah. Their suspenders yeah. and stuff? Yeah, no. Um, you need me to
0: switch cameras? We can, we can use the camera. All right. That'll be good right there. So there you go. Okay. At any point on the hoof wall, the hoof wall from the coronary band should run good, clean lines to the ground. And when you get a flare, is when it distorts and it, it bows out. As Jack Miller used to say, it's a banana the shape of a banana. There's more to a flare than just the flare. Some of it's driven by bone column alignment. If you just dress it off, you're constantly chasing them. There's also diagonal pressure in the hoof. If you got a, where it's pulling out somewhere, it may it can be called so much from a push from a diagonal in the hoof, and then you start looking on up the horse and start answering the question why.
1: So my question
0: is, why would a horse have a flared hoof? I a would pigeon th- toe, a movement pattern, a rocking action in the movement. Oh. it's not a horse being too fat and the feet being too soft. That. Could have something to do with it. Yes. <laughs> does that make Does that make visual sense to you? Big, fat yes. horse on squashed and spread out. Right. Yep. Correct. That works. My feet are flared. Um, I'm not touching that one. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a change of angulation down the hoof wall.
1: Now, is there an, a, a proper degree? Now, because I'm looking at the front of that, so I'm looking at the, the bottom of that horse's foot. Let's say the, the bottom of the horse's foot is zero degrees. Right. Is there a proper degree of where that hoof wall on the front should start? Like, let's say that right there would be, if you're watching the camera here, that would be like a, let's say like a 35 degree angle. Is there a proper degree as far as where that should be? I mean, you don't want a 90 degree angle on a hoof, on a horse's hoof. That wouldn't make any sense at all.
0: No, but you have some horses out there that that's maybe closer to where they are. A 30 degree would be extremely low. And some of it depends on bone column. And the coffin bone itself, you know, you have an ideal range of angles. You know, as far as like Doc Redden's work, he, over the years, he's found a pretty wide range of angles of coffin bones. He's found them like 60 plus degrees. He's found them down into the 30s. So if you got, say so you got a 65 degree angle and you've got a 62 degree coffin bone in there or versus a coffin bone that might be, let's say 42 degrees that's going to make a big difference in what kind of a foot you got it may be appropriate knowing what your coffin bone looks like it may not and coffin bones do not always match there's an ideal range preferred area you should be in but reality is that um, you've got to work with what the horse gives you to work with
1: now, dealing with a flared, a horse's flare, what's the easiest or what's the, what's the most extreme as far as how to fix it and what's the easiest way to how to fix it,
0: depending on what's going on with it? First thing is take a look at the horse. Okay. There are horses that are not steady because of mechanical things going on, so you need to address... where's the pressure coming from and sometimes that's not always immediately taking the flare off sometimes that is looking at if it's in a front end you rarely have a front end that's doing odd things that odd things going to the back end and some of it will manifest in the front end because of what they're doing with pressure because remember they put most of their weight on the front end and the worse your problem is in the back end, the more weight they put on the front end. Down, more down pressure, more distorting. Now, if you have a long ornament horse, you know, it's just out there being
1: fancy, being, you know, free. And right. Is it bad or is it okay to have a horse with a flare? As to let's say a dressage or a venting horse or or someone in that, of course you want those the feet to be perfect. But I'm just talking about your normal lawn pasture type horse. Is it okay if the horses are fluff them
0: out in fields that don't get touched? They have flares all over the place. When the flares get too long, they bust off. You know, ideally. Not necessarily a good idea to have one. Now, you take a horse that's been through some laminitis or something like that, you're going to have a lot of odd flaring going on because structurally, you've lost structural integrity of the hoof. That gets into okay, is a foot collapsed? Is the foot flat footed at this point? Was it flat footed before? And why have we lost structural integrity? So there's more going on than just the flare itself.
1: So the flare is curable.
0: Not always, no. And uh, if you got a horse with a really strange bone column alignment, well, sometimes you got to work around that bone column alignment best you can. So
1: can't you just, you know, I'm thinking flare? Can't you just trim off the flare and just let the horse keep going? Or is that getting too much into the the meat of the horse's foot?
0: How much depth do you have in the foot? Are you invading the sole plane? If you're taking the foot down so much the horse can't walk we're creating a problem by by doing it a lot of times i will float that area up off the ground just to break contact and the foot flexes some when it when it comes in and picks up load so that you're not picking up your primary load on the flare first and sometimes they will settle down from that Um, if you're dressing down flares on foot a foot down to nothing that's already unstable sometimes you you can make the horse's hoof more unstable you're thinning the wall down and it's like you got a three-quarter inch piece of plywood and i know it's in millimeters now and you shave it down to a quarter inch and you expect it to be the same strength that's not going to be
1: does flare happen like overnight or this is this a long-term progression as far as i know i know it takes forever for the horse's hoof to grow I down
0: long term progression
1: and is the recovery to get the horse to get the flare removed from the horse, is it the same progression the opposite direction as far as time wise? Well, if it,
0: if it didn't get there overnight, it's not going to disappear overnight.
1: Well, I, I understand that. Yes. But I mean, it, it, let's say it took two years for my horse to get a flare because you know just what happened through that two years just the horse is out on the lawn that's it he, okay, that's all we what got. happened
0: during that two years i don't know i wasn't there okay <laughs> my wife was <laughs> has something gone on to create the instability in the hoof is it a movement problem is something changed in the movement pattern and is the horse tracking straight or did it used to track straight and now it does not and then you have to get into the whys of that
1: so you just take the wire all the way up the horse's body and figure out what, yes what's going on yes I learned that from you.
0: <laughs> all right, guys, stick around. When we come back,
1: uh, something that we all learn, especially Mike, is the balance and what does it mean. And we've been reading from a book, Proper Balance Movement, A Diary of Lameness. And if you look at this, we're going to read from this book right here. And Mike's going to talk about how this book has helped him and what he applies today. Stick around. you will listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video. You can see all the shenanigans that goes here on in the studio. Mike's sticking his grubby little fingers down on the pickle jar to try to grab some pickles that I made for him. It is a pickle. Are you are you doing okay with those pickles? They're not too hot, are they? No. All right.
0: No. 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 Not at all.
1: Well, they were in the refrigerator. They're what they
0: that's call. That's why they were not hot.
1: Well, they call they call them refrigerator pickles, where you, you heat up the brine, you put it in the in the jar, and then you put it right in the refrigerator, and you let it sit there for about forty eight hours, and boom, you automatically you got pickles. Okay. So that's what that's what you got there and over to my far inside pickled is Mike Stein how that's right how are you
0: I'm good Travis
1: how are you doing I'm doing good so we're going to talk right now chapter two the balance of a hoof what does it mean to Tony Gonzalez from his book proper balance movement a diary of lameness now here we go Tony Gonzalez was one of Mike's many mentors uh, explain what was Tony Gonzalez influence on you
0: Tony's influence was really starting to think outside of the box because and as he says, early on, we were taught, look at the hoof, level up the hoof, level up the bottom of the hoof. It's balanced, right? Yes. Later on, let's look at the flares. Let's look at the coronary band. And Tony really got into, let's look at the horse. There's something causing these imbalances, and it's coming from the horse, coming from movement patterns and mechanics. And, you know, if he hits hard on one side and you got a lot of compression on one side, why is he hitting hard on one side? When I went to ferry school, and it's been a day or two. Just look at the f- bottom of the foot, look at the foot, dress your flares down. Flares always came back, but we were doing the horse right, right? Correct? Correct. We didn't have any effect on anything above the knee and above the hock, which is un- very untrue. And there again, everything above the knee and hock affects what we're doing, down to the rider, down to the saddle fit, down to. Whatever, you got a one-sided rider on top of a horse, you're going to fight that pattern, and what happens to hoof growth patterns impact wear patterns.
1: Okay, so we're going to read a small snippet out of Chapter 2, and this is Tony Gonzalez and what he says, the balance of a hoof, and then Mike's going to relay as far as how these these messages that he's talked about, Tony Gonzalez, is related to what Mike Stein does here currently. So here we go from the book. People often ask, what balance means to me? There are three answers to this question. Balance means balancing of the horse's hoof. Also, balance means balancing of the natural horse's conformation. Finally, balance means balancing a horse to carry its rider's weight. Now, to balance the foot, all horses are taught to level the ground side of the hoof. Then... Level the coronary band of the hoof in order to make the horse's level in the foot. Even as I try to perfect this technique, I could only obtain minimal results. Every shoeing of the same horse would be a repeat of what I've been doing previously. The balance and leveling was always temporarily. So what does he mean
0: when he's talking about that? Well, it's just what we're talking about. If you dress the flare down and you haven't gotten rid of the mechanics that are causing the flare, flare's back each time. And we dress it down and it's back and we dress it down and it's back. You know, Tony really helped me with understanding the diagonal pressures within the hoof and also the horse. And we always think diagonal in a horse. Well, that's yes and no. Typically, the diagonal feet, what's going on with a hind foot will be similar to what's going on with the diagonal front foot. And so you automatically think, let's go to that diagonal leg. Well, yes, true. But if he's dropping the hip on the other side and he's curving his body, that can have something to do with compression problems in that front leg. So you start looking for your weak points and what's going on with the horse. And some of it has to do with the you know the pressure in the hoof. And I was always taught, you know, if a foot should be flat to a shoe. Well, the problem is if you need some gifts somewhere in the hoof, you need to create an area if you're shoeing the horse for the foot to move up and down into the shoe which means you need to float areas so the way i've trim a foot now is very different and is constantly changing from what i did when i went shoeing school so in ideal the textbooks
1: on a horse's anatomy teach a joint alignment should appear as a straight line down the center of the leg in reality this information is still important it is a significant factor in judging the balance of a hoof proper balanced movement simply adds a few more areas to take in consideration for example consider the side to side balance of the hoof it takes into the account the width of the hoof and often how it affects the weight bearing surface of the horse
0: so that's basically what what you were saying before right in an ideal world you think you want the break over straight over the center of the hoof if everything was lined up perfectly maybe so But then as you're flexing a leg, you learn to pay attention to how that knee flexes because if the knee opens out real hard, that's the way the horse is going to want to break over. And this is what you're telling me right now is all the stuff that you've learned and you're applying presently to the way you look at a horse's foot. And just for the sake of with flares, I was in a clinic one time and they were talking about getting these feet perfect. You know, everybody's looking at the hoof and there was some discussion going on. What to do, what to do, what to do, what to do. Oh, no, you got to follow our protocol and i'll like back up a minute because this is some years after tony pay attention to what that knee's doing you got a horse that can't straighten his knee out you got a toe flare some of those horses need the toe flow to stabilize the knee uh, and in an ideal world you don't want a toe flare but you got to start paying attention to what the body's doing okay so the toe flare was taken off on this particular horse horse couldn't stabilize itself on that leg so ended up Extended a shoe forward and building in an to where the horse could stabilize itself so basically put that quarter inch that was dressed off right back but it was insisted to do that but i know i've got a horse right now that i'm working on that he's an odd character uh, his joint alignment is not near where it should be. He's got a big blown up arthritic knee that won't straighten out. If you start putting the lower limb joint alignment where it should be, he can't stabilize that leg enough to walk on it. So we've got to find a happy enough place that to make the knee happy enough because of the damage done to it versus minimizing the damage from the, the joint angle being broken backwards.
1: Now the horse that you're talking about, what's that horse's job and how did it get this way?
0: His job is to hang out and enjoy life. There's a lot being done trying to help this guy out. He's a long story, and we can do a day just on him right. because he's an interesting character. Yeah. You know, it's like I told the owner on this horse first time i was there and she said she had reminded me of that I said you know the first time you looked at him you told me I said you know we're asking what to do and i said this horse will teach us something it's like tony used to say there's the rules there's the exceptions to the rules there's the exceptions to the exceptions and then there's the exceptions to that so that's where you're working the book that gives you all the rules of where a horse should be are great if a horse is following the rules horse can't read that book
1: <laughs> never knew a horse to read
0: not too many mr ed maybe i think he just
1: talked more than anything now a thing i want to point out, every time I ask you what the job of that horse is, in my mind I'm thinking as an athlete, you know, just any athlete of any skill level you know, they, they pull a muscle here and they do something like that, right? and nine times out of ten when I ask you what, when we you talk about I'm dealing with this kind of horse, I'm dealing with this kind of situation on a horse, I ask you what that horse's job is, right? nine times out of ten, Mike, you say, he's just out there to be happy and eat grass is that more common than a horse that gets looked at regularly, and you know like for example, you, your cycle is about what four six weeks when you shoe- four six weeks on most of mine yes so the horses that are out the pasture or out in the pasture you know being lawn ornaments and stuff it seems like you're seeing more problems with those horses as to those athletic horses now granted athletic horses have their own issues as far as muscle pullment and and you know all the movement right. and stuff but when i ask you all the time you always say he's just out there to be fat and happy
0: this this horse we're talking about his job is to relieve the mental stress of the owner okay keep the owner happy
1: well, that, well that's that's what I meant, but I'm, what I'm saying is it's not a it's not a show horse or a riding horse. So a lot of these were at one time. Okay, so these are older and older
0: athletes, older athletes. <laughs> kind of like you know me and you. Yeah, we used to pretend like we were athletes too. <laughs> but you know, we're trying to find a place to keep this guy as comfortable and happy as we can. Some of the rules that apply with competition horses, there's some similarities, but there are some major differences. You've got to consider job of the horse, conditions of the horse, where the horse lives, what is the rider's work program, how the rider rides. You know, I've got some riders that have done rather well out there, very well. Trisha Dingle is the
1: one that does the, she's been on the show several times where she's taken these horses, these rehab horses, and right. I, and actually not placed in competitions, but has worked them back into not a professional competition level, but has given these these horses a second
0: life yes and and we've done pretty well with that then you got horses that are upper level competitive horses and i've got riders that are very skilled at that level and some of the problems i have with those horses and you look at the workload they are, they are under and how long some of these guys compete without injuries and it leaves a scratch in your head because lower level horses to me are always tougher to keep going now, most, my, my upper-level horses are primarily three-day eventers, so the fitness level on those horses has to be better than a dressage horse. But on the other end, tendon ligament injuries and all that, and if you look at the workload they're doing in comparison, it's a lot less. But I'm also working with some very upper-level riders who have a feel for a horse. They have their you know the balance, their control is way past what your average rider is going to be. When I worked for Doctor Mansman, we were talking about well, it's it's rain lameness, and I said something about one day, and they're about well, it's rider lameness. Is where you're right, but you you politically you can't say that. <laughs> you want to offend the rider? That's right. He says we need them to write the paycheck.
1: <laughs> what do they know? What does that guy know? He's just right. underneath my horse.
0: <laughs> so there, that's where that is. Okay, if a body, if if a horse is trotting at you, he's compressing one side and. He is rocking, and some of them will rock across the diagonal. Okay, why is he rocking? If his body is curved, why is it curved? That's you know, changed every time you throw somebody different on the horse. Where horses that are less than horses or having new riders, they're not going that hard, but it's tough keeping them up. It's tough keeping them square because everybody that's on their back bounces in a different direction.
1: So my question to you, Mike, is when are you coming out with your updated version of this book? Because this was written in, what year, 1984, I believe? Right. So you've got to come up with your version, taking some of Tony Gonzalez's theories. Yeah, that was probably being written when I first met Tony. I'm looking for Mike Stein's book to come out. and Plus, our book that we have together of, of silly terms that we call horse. We create our own stuff. <laughs> we yeah. create our own stuff. All right, guys, stick around. When we come back, Mike's going to talk about a spider plate on a horse he's been working on. So stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. I'll be right back. Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the number one podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. And don't forget, you can follow Mike Stein over on Facebook on his new podcast page, which is Mike Stein Equine Dynamics. Make sure you like and subscribe to him over there. Uh, he's kind of moved all of his personal stuff over to the business side. That way he can get a lot more followers over there. And following us over there on my far end side is Mike Stein. How are you?
0: I am good, Travis. You saw the pictures
1: of the donuts that my wife's bringing me back I from New York?
0: Did. <laughs> the ones that you say are from Boston, but they're not. They're not. They're, she's bringing me these Boston cream donuts that
1: uh, she's flying back tonight, so I'll get those today, tonight. But, but they're from
0: New York, not Boston.
1: Yeah, it's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> those northern people. Now, <clears throat> we're going to do a case study of a horse named Sammy, and we're talking about a coffin bone infection and the use of a spider plate. Now, this is a great time if you're not watching this on the YouTube channel. Uh, we have visuals here in the studio. I'm going to switch over to camera three so uh, we can see it. And Mike, you've got a, a horse's hoof right here, and you also have this almost... It almost looks like an old school cd with a smiley face on it. it
0: is a smiley face
1: so tell us what we're what we're talking about as far as the
0: um well the application go ahead. okay go ahead no
1: go ahead <laughs> so tell us about
0: when you would use a spider plate and how that when you have spider problems so that that's the plate to put it off your spider senses <laughs> yes no this is something that is easy enough to carry in your rig it's a frog support Let, let's start this way why do they call it a spider plate Yeah, no. I've heard it called a couple other things besides spider plates. What are the other names that someone out there might not know? Uh, What when these things came out a long time ago, they kind of came out and then they kind of disappeared, and they've been relabeled a few times. But the first ones I ever saw were called spider plates. Is
1: that spider like a a company name, spider, or that's just the the name of the actual
0: plate? You can say yes. You can say yes to either one. Doesn't matter. (laughs) Sure, we'll go with yes. Maybe. (laughs) Okay. What this is is you can. Put it under your shoe you go to your bandsaw cut it to fit the shoe you have to drill it for your nail holes or I drill it mm-hmm. I don't know anybody can just drive you can you can punch it you can take a pretzel and punch it uh, this these this isn't aluminum plate so you got to be careful overheating it if you're doing a pretzel punch but it's a quick frog support and you can actually take this through your anvil and push this up if you want a little more positive pressure if I've got a horse, that i need some support and i need to float out the toe and i want a fast answer to it i can cut this you got your sharpie
1: i do you're
0: looking to write on it yeah i could cut this have this on the shoe and have have this floated off of the foot to unload the toe if i had a quarter crack i can come in here and take that out and have a space under the quarter crack. The other thing I do with these is typically I fill them in with an impression. Uh, we've got a picture of one on the foot that right, was me, the horse that had the infected coffin bone. Yep. Let me switch cameras here, and you guys can see this as well. So here is the... There it is. Okay. This horse has been wearing this for a day. That's uh, a, a day-old put the shoe on if you notice the horse is drilled and tapped and i riveted the spider plate to the back of the shoe right here copper rivets yeah through the spider plate through the shoe riveted to the shoe also i used a dental impression material and this comes in multiple ranges of firmness there are some pour-in pads of different ranges of firmness um up front i think they went with a softer deal now this horse For some reason, it damaged the cough bone, had some cough bone infections. It was debrided. There was a hole cut in the hoof. And in removing the amount of hoof they did, you have some problems. Okay, do we have stability? So they had opted to go with an egg bar and a spider plate. Now, for this horse to go back into full training... I got away from the egg bar because when that bar comes into the ground on the arena surface, it's like pulling a plow beside that foot, and I want it to roll through, and I want a little glide on the ground. And at this point, the horse does not necessarily need the the bar for support. Now, early on, while the horse is healing, I don't mind having an egg bar on a horse sometimes for certain reasons. When a horse goes to work, I don't think that an egg bar is necessarily a good working shoe. And for the horse to go back and train, and there was a huge difference in the weight of the shoe because the one side there was a rim pad and a light shoe then you had this big heavy egg bar the spider plate and all the fill material
1: that's like putting three or four ounces on the end of your arm and, and telling yourself to hold it up for 24 right. hours it, right. it'll
0: wear down on you just on the one side right over time over time working the horse we're looking at uneven development up top in the shoulders which is going to affect the way the back end travels so i wanted to get them a little more even and And because of the foot that is, quote, the good foot taking pressure, I went ahead and did the same for it because that foot, during the healing time, had been taking more mechanical stress, compressing the foot down. That's why that was on there, and we're allowing the foot to grow down. And when we get enough structure to the foot, we can remove the splatter plate, and we put this guy back to work. In fact, he's back to work now. When you're filling these, the softer the fill is more cushy. The softer the feel, the less support. The firmer feel gives you better support. Sometimes at certain stages, you need something a little softer. Sometimes, because of stabilizing the foot, you need something a little firmer and you know, they put the horse to work, and we, we took him out on the hard top and everything else to make sure he was happy. And if he had not been happy since we was there for a few days shoeing, we would have popped it and, and swapped fills if need be. Now, when I look at that spider plate, let me see that spider plate. Right. This, to me, and you can see I'm holding it up here on the camera.
1: This, to me, just looks like a piece of round aluminum where someone has cut out right. a little smiley face. and. It I, makes me smile. Yes. I guess my question is, this doesn't look like, there. I mean, it's straight. You, right. You're you the one with your knowledge and stuff is the one that's going to have to transform this flat piece of basically sheet metal into what you need to, to fit on your horse's foot. Now, I didn't realize that your horse's horseshoe, this goes in between the hoof and the shoe itself. Right. Okay. So, but I'm just looking at this like going, I could have made this in, in shop class in seventh grade. Yes, is, you could
0: have. I, I mean, that's essentially what it is. You know, I mean. Well, see, we used to cut that out of aluminum there's so much stuff pre-made now mm-hmm. and for time and convenience now i've got a piece of aluminum plate that's about a foot by two foot in the back of the truck sometimes i want to do a buttress support And I don't necessarily want to use an egg bar shoe. So I can use that in there to support the buttress support because you need something a little rigid. Depending on how much down pressure you're dealing with, if it's a lot of down pressure, that may not be enough. Maybe you do some kind of weld in. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can go at it, and it's going to vary some with every horse. Also with the aluminum plate, if I've got to do a hospital plate where I want to drill tap the shoe and have a plate across it, that we can remove, medicate, and put back on, well, there you go. And the aluminum shoe is sturdy enough or rigid enough to withstand... I'm assuming to withstand the weight of the horse without this, bending or anything. This this is more rigid than you would probably think. You know, if it's not, then we go to something that will support it. Sometimes we want to use flexible frog supports. Sometimes you use like a, a heart bar, which would be very rigid. If you want a lot of positive pressure, maybe you would go to a heart welded in heart bar or or build a heart bar shoe. Which it, the shoe itself is basically you take these connectors out and it's all one steel piece without these in there aluminum piece right, you, right. R- you remove this support and this support and you just have the have the piece over the frock you can do that with this but i don't think that by the time you remove the two little trees on the side you may not have enough support to really do anything if you've got a horse with a busted up hill, you can cut it back here and remove the hill off and come come in here and set the force and just completely float out that area and have some level of support with some impression material under there.
1: So how often do you you personally use those right now? How many horses do you have with those on their feet? Right now. Just other than the one you just showed us. Right now, that's it. That's it? Okay.
0: So this um, is not a common thing, but let's say... It's not something I'm going to use every day. The other end is I try to stay pretty well ready to go. You know, if I had not had these in the, in the truck, could I have taken the piece of two foot by four foot aluminum plate and cut that out? Yeah, I could cut it right, right there on the truck and make it. But the thing is, is the time it takes and, and the art form. Cause there's a lot of people out there that are in the, in your field that could or would not do that. Right. But I, I have a way I could do it and make it work and make the horse happy. You know, there's there's several different things I could do. And, you know, you've seen the back of my truck. It's, it's, ready, <laughs> it's ready to do about anything.
1: I know. you got a whole uh, grocery the, store in there.
0: What I did on this plate is I set the shoe on top of it, marked out where my clips were, cut where my clips fit in on the, on the bandsaw, then I riveted it to the shoe. I went back through the nail holes with a sm- drip bit that was just big enough to ease through there and just drilled all the way through so i had completed nail holes and then cut off the extra with the bandsaw handsaw and then my belt sander cleaned it up and then went on the horse and i had my two-part impression material we got in there you got the horse happy right right all right guys stick around
1: when we come back we'll wrap up the show and let you get back to enjoying your horses you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein he'll be right back Dynamics with Mike Stein the number one podcast to create sound of horses from the ground up. Don't forget Mike Stein was the official farrier of the 2018 World Equestrian Games. Also in 2017 he was the American Venting Championship farrier and now is a licensed thoroughbred farrier through the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. And over to my far right hand side with owners of all these titles is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm upright. (laughs) Yes. And don't forget for every podcast we do we have a matching video over on YouTube. Make sure you like and subscribe over there. And I forgot if you have any questions for Mike Stein, go to Equine Dynamics. At the top of the page says podcast or contacts. I forget what it says. Fill out that little form there. Ask us a question. We'll read it here on the air. Make sure you put a return address, physical mailing address, and we'll send you out some of our prize packs. And if you'd like Mike sign up perform a clinic out at your locations, you can find that information there as well. And Mike will pencil you in as soon as he possibly can. Now, Mike, today, what did we learn? Talking terminology. The word flare, the outward distortion of a hoof, which may occur on any portion of the hoof wall.
0: The... Flare can be driven by bone comb alignment. It can be driven by imbalances in the hoof. It can be driven by movement problems. So when you're dealing with a flare, you've got to go back down the chain of events and find out where the pressure started.
1: And a, a snippet from the proper balance movement, a diary of lameness written by Tony Gonzalez, a mentor of Mike Stein. And here's a small little snippet that says, to most people, flares in the hoof are considered out of balance. Actually, they're an indication of the horse's balance problem on that particular side flares develop in order to help an animal balance its weight on its hooves and that's just a small little snippet out of right, this but, book right here
0: but what caused the balance problem on that side where did it come from right was the impact driven from movement pattern if the movement pattern caused the impact is the horse rocking in a weird direction if so why and when you start taking care of those those things are playing up and also a case study of a horse named Sammy that had a coffin bone infection and Mike treated it with a spider plate shoe. I came in after the fact on that one. We got the horse back to work. Uh, the vet crew that worked on the horse did a good job of cleaning everything up. The farrier at the vet clinic presented with a spider plate, so we went in a similar fashion. Removed the egg bar because the horse went into training and this horse is back to work. We want to keep happy, grow the foot down, and keep on rolling.
1: All right, guys, on that note, make sure you follow Mike Stein over on Facebook. Remember, he has switched over, and he's got an Equine Dynamics podcast Facebook page, and that's Equine Dynamics Mike Stein. Make sure you like and subscribe to him over there as well. And he posts a whole bunch of news articles, educational information over there on that page as well. On behalf of Mike Stein over there, have a good day.
0: Thank you, Travis, and uh, I hope you have fun with those donuts. My Boston cream donuts. Your Boston from New York donuts. And my name is Travis Saying, See you next week. All
1: of the doggies are in the corral, all of your work is done, just close your eyes and dream, little pal, dream of some.